Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, I'm Steph, and before we begin, I'd just like to give a shout out to the Tyson Berry trade rumors, because I was told, in no uncertain terms, that a Berry trade was imminent. Then the draft started, and everyone just forgot about it, so, so will we. You're locked into the Burgundy Radio post-draft special, and we're joined by BR's best prospectors. Hello to Tiger Vixen. Hello. And hello to Rudo of every podcast on the internet. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a few now, isn't it? And we're us- privileged now. Yeah, joining us as always is Earl. Hello, Earl. Hello, friends. So we're going to get into each pick as much as we know about each of them, which means you're going to hear a lot from my friends the panel and not a lot from me because I'm a big old prospect dummy. And then later on in the show, because our work is never done, we'll take a brief preview of Free Agency, which is next week. For those of you who uh, don't follow draft research so much, there's kind of three clear tiers of pick value in terms of how much NHL impact you can expect from each spot. So there's the first round, and especially the early first round, which stands kind of clearly out on its own. So we'll grade the Avs' first two picks, then we'll take on the middle rounds, which was two and three for Colorado this year, and then we'll make speculative grades on the late round selections. If and when I mispronounce these, please jump in and correct me, because I don't know. And I've already said they're third rounder three different ways, so we're in a good company. (laughs) We've also spelled one of our third rounders in at least four different ways. Um... And just a quick bit of housekeeping before we get started. Um, NHL's free agency day is July 1st, and you can expect to hear at least Rudo and I in the BR Discord chat um, all afternoon as the signings come in. And then we will record another show for you guys later on in the day as we just kind of see what sort of moves the abs may have made or may not have made as whatever ends up being the case. No matter what, we'll get to laugh at whoever signs Jason Spezza. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's Wayne Simmons. Mine's Brett Connolly. Let's hope it's not us. What is that noise? It's like a high pitch. Oh, I'm in. I'm in orbit. <laughs> no, I, for a second, I just like. No, I, it's I, the. It's probably the birds. It's it, it's dusk here, so. The bird cast. The that's <laughs> the birds sound like that. Okay, we're leaving this now. <laughs> the birds nice sound like birds. that. I, I thought so. I'm, I'm watching Summer Games Done Quick, and it's a Wii U game. I thought that I, that I had maybe unmuted my speakers with a physical button somehow and forgotten about it. That's what it sounds like. Okay, so the top two in the draft went exactly how you might expect. Jack Hughes first overall, Capo Caco second to the New York Rangers, and then Chicago shot their third overall on Kirby Dock, which frees up Colorado to take the highest-rated defender in the draft with Ottawa's first, Bowen Byram, at number four. 26 goals and 45 assists in 67 games this year with WHL Vancouver. Tell me all about this pick. Uh, yeah, He's I think it's fabulous. Yeah, he, <laughs> to me, he is clearly the third best player in this draft. So we got to win getting him at four. Uh, I really think he... He's capable of doing anything you ask of him as a defenseman. He's a potential number one on both ends of the ice. This is who I wanted. This is who I was hoping for. Well, you know, I had my side love for Pod Colson, but they they needed to make this pick, and they did. So thank God sanity prevailed, and they didn't try to force one of the centers. And Byram is just such a good player, polished, high end, everything you could want. He can. He's going to be able to step in in probably a year and just take off. Well, Pod Colson yeah, at four us. would have been a hell of a reach. It, uh, it wouldn't, it wouldn't. But 
luckily we didn't have to yeah. discuss that right now. <laughs> I, I remember Thursday night we were discussing the the two guys in this draft that you know were likely available to the Avs at number four that you would regret not picking the most would probably end up being Doc or Byram. And obviously Doc was taken out of our hands. And, you know, it, it's... I guess it was a little dicey, maybe, if the Avs uh, wanted to go defenseman there. Obviously, with, with taking Makar a couple of years ago, they, they they definitely had some good young defensemen along with Girard. Um, but I think this really sets them up long-term for having one of the best defenses in National Hockey League. And um, I don't know. I'm, I'm over the moon. I for, for months now, I've become attached to the idea of picking him. And I, I just, I really thought that from a planning standpoint, this was always going to be the right call. So yeah. tell us why Bowen Byron was rated so highly that a lot of us thought he was top three in this draft. Well, I'll put it this way. The guy who went third overall, Kirby Doc, great player. Really love his game. He had 25 goals as a forward. Byram had 26. And his playoffs, I mean. Yeah, he he was the first defenseman ever in the WHL to win the scoring play, the playoff scoring title. So the and dude this... is the dude can score. Yeah, and that's I mean, it, a lot of people are saying, well, he's not going to score fifty points in the NHL or sixty points, and and that's fine. I mean, you don't you know you you don't expect that. <clears throat> what it shows is that he's got puck skill and he's got offensive mindset and tendencies and and can think that way. And you know, if he ends up scoring thirty or forty or or whatever it ends up being. Um, at least you know he has those instincts and that you know he has the puck skill to get it done and I think that's that's more important than actually looking at trying to translate his amount of scoring to gel I love the way he carries the puck too like he was almost like a center it's like the craziest thing is you'd watch all the videos of the centers that we were thinking about and you watch Byram and he was facilitating even more than the centers were. I mean, he carries the puck, he brings it into the zone, and he, then he distributes it. He's yeah, he, he is kind of a unique player that he's not like this Quinn Hughes type, really offensive leaning defenseman. He he's very well rounded. He's a two way player. He has a little bit of a physical edge to him. He can just do so much already at his age, and he's young for this draft class. He just turned 18 like a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I, I think the physical aspects of it and that side of his game is key because that's what separates him from Gerard and Makar, and I don't want to knock Makar. He handled himself just fine physically in his time in the playoffs, but, but Byram has that at another level that those two don't, and he still has that high-end skill. Yeah. I didn't, and Jackie, you've said several times that Makar reminds you of Mac as a defenseman, and I, you know, I, I think Byram has a lot of that as well. Um, you know, a lot he, of it has of... to do with his skating, which is the, yeah. a lot like McKinnon. Byram's a really good skater. He he does it a different way. He's a he's kind of a combination between Makar and Gerard in in the skating department. Yeah. And and you kids are probably too young to remember a lot of Sandus Ozilinch playing, but um, 
the the way he sort of transitions reminds me a lot of Ozo, and obviously he's much better defensively. Um, but you know that that's just kind of fun because again, like none of the three guys we're talking about here are very much alike the others. You know, other than they're they're all three very highly skilled and, and smart. Um, and it just you know it makes you giddy thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, but Byram's such a great fit for the Avs. I felt like going back all the way to the beginning of this year that he was a great fit. I was talking about him in the fall as somebody I would love for the Avs to get. And then he just improved so much over the year that it became a great idea for several reasons because he's such a good fit because he became the best player available to the Avs. And because he just fits so many needs, now now the Avs have so many questions answered about the future of their blue line. And it, yeah, it is and very exciting. Yeah, the thought of replacing Eric Johnson is, is you know, I mean, that's taken care of now. It's like, it, it might end up being Makar that's that guy. It might end up being Byron that's guy. It might be, you know, a committee of all three. Um, yeah. But, but that's a question that we've had for years that's, you know... That's, right. that's answered very well. We'll we'll talk about this more when we get to the middle rounds, but the Avs didn't have a ton of defensive prospect depth. And you pick a Byram, and all of a sudden, your top 3D is set for the next seven years, decade, whatever. And suddenly, you don't need as much depth, do you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't have to worry about developing one. Oh, that's convenient. And... And, and picking, you know, it, it, instead of picking up Francois Beauchemin or or Ian Cole or uh, you know even even Patrick Nemeth to to be filling out your top four, um, you know, you can get those guys and they can be complementary and not have a lot of responsibility and and just be role players and you know those other three will be able to do the heavy lifting and that that makes it easier to you know, tolerate having guys like that on your because they're just, they're not going to be asked to do a ton. Yeah. So Bowen Byram kind of projects to be in that top pair defender area. Um, what's the, um, the immediate plan for him is to, to bring him into dev camp and see if he looks like he could jump into the NHL, right? Uh, yeah. yeah I mean, you're living the dream there. I don't want to rule it out entirely that he that he doesn't make the NHL this year, but I'd probably bet against it. Yeah, I'm sure that the Avs would love to see him try and force it and get close, but they probably don't want him playing in the NHL this year for various reasons. It will be interesting to see a training camp where a guy conceivably could win his way in. They haven't had a high-end CHL player in that didn't go straight to the NHL and forever. I mean, if Barry's here on opening night, it's just not happening. Well, that's a huge factor team, too. But... If if Barry's traded, the the odds definitely go up. But I think this does give him a little bit of leverage. Say they're having a lot of trouble with getting Zadorov signed again. That could be, for example, something else that could come up that makes them say, "Hey, we have another option." But realistically they probably don't want to deal with two rookie defensemen even though McCarr will be 21 years old this fall so I think that's something that gets forgotten it's just he really is 
older. And and then we'd be talking about 18-year-old Byram. So that, that's a little different. And I probably think the best thing for him is to go back one more year, but he'd be ready to go in a year. Yeah, and I think they'd probably want to handle if, you know, if, if Vancouver maybe has a, a bit of a down year or something like that, if he's available for late season of the playoffs or something like that, they, you know, they'd, they'd want to know where he could fit in and have him educated on the systems and whatnot. Cause, yeah. You know, just and, imagine bringing in Makar again next playoff season. That's... Right. It, and you, you get a more <laughs> solid feel for what he is, right? Like, yes, yeah. he had a fantastic year, but I think this year was pretty special. He's a great player, and he deserves the accolades he got, but if he repeats what he did this year, then this is a, an insane player. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, even I just mean, repeating yeah, he gets would be better great. from that. Oh, my God. <laughs> What's he going to do, score 30 goals? I mean, come on. <laughs> so happy all around with with the number four selection um before we get into 16 i want to ask one quick question was there anybody that you were hoping would fall to 16 and uh, you're disappointed realistically uh well new hook so <laughs> <laughs> uh, i mean Pod, was like, Pod Coles and realistic? Maybe not. Other than that, I you could say you're hoping for Boldy. I guess the Krebs yeah. situation, but there wasn't anyone I was really dying for. It was almost like hoping that someone would take Spencer Knight. <laughs> yep. That's my hope. I went, when then, Cam York and Spencer Knight and Caulfield all went three in a row right before the Avs picked, I'm like, this is our yeah. draft. When Montreal took <laughs> Montreal took Caulfield, I was celebrating, man. Yep. I knew that it made. Yeah, the reason I asked that question is the first round got a little funky in the middle. Yeah, when Morin Sider was picked by the Red Wings at, at number six, uh, I mean, he, you know, I, I, he might not have been the most surprised b- person in the building, but he was close. <laughs> I can't believe, can't believe nobody gave him a courtesy text. <laughs> Usually the top guys get the courtesy text, but just it, the cider thing started the run of defensemen, and then there was eight defensemen taken in the top twenty picks. So it's so funny that you hear you you have to take a center if you have a top five pick. But boy, the second you get out of top five, those D's start flying off the shelf, and that's another reason why it feels so good that the Avs they got the best one. And yeah. they didn't have to get into dealing with that. And right. Not only did they get the best one, they didn't pay the price. They still got one of those second-tier forwards with 16. Well, they didn't reach. I mean, that's... Right, you know, exactly. I, I would consider... I, I would consider Soderstrom pretty close to fair value, but I, I, you know, I would definitely say that Broberg and Sider were reaches. So, I mean, it's nice that they were able to get the, the guy that they needed, the guy that they wanted, and they didn't have to reach in either case. Exactly. And it worked out perfect so that they didn't even have to trade up, which is something we talked a lot about. They should trade up from yeah. 16 right. to get one of those forwards, and they, they didn't have to. They just kind of assumed they would have to, and then Soderstrom went at 11, and York went at 14, and it's like, wait a minute. There's four forwards on the board still. Yep. <laughs> so, so with their own pick, which is 16 overall, the Avs took forward Alex Newhook. 
He had 102 points in 53 games as captain of BCHL Victoria and added 10 more points in 7 games at U18s. He's committed to Boston College this fall, so give me the rundown on Alex Newhook. He's got a great smile. Boy, does he. (laughs) And he's a newfie. He talks as fast as he skates. (laughs) Which is fast. But yeah, he's clarifying that one. He's he's a great skater. (laughs) He has a ton of offensive skill. He can really do everything in the offensive zone. That's why I like him so much is that triple threat ability to shoot from anywhere, pass from anywhere and skate with the puck. And he does a great job reading plays both with and away from it. I, I really think he's the complete package offensively. And I like comparing him to Duchesne. I've done it a couple of times now. Um, I don't think he'll have the streakiness issues, but just that that raw talent. Yeah, just I, his speed and the way he he looks when he's carrying the puck just kind of reminds you. Yeah, I, I went back and watched some of his shift by shifts that you made, and you know I, I think that's an apt comparison. Um, you know, did not not to be a little negative here, but you know, Duchesne struggles in the defensive zone or, or sort of mirrored by by new hook at this point but yeah um he's one thing and you know again i don't want to sound like i'm tooling on dutch here but it looks like the new hook is much better at reading plays on the whole ice and maybe he's just you know he just needs to to learn how to play defense and and bc will be a great place to do that um yeah his vision is fantastic and just he can see plays developing very early and right. it, it was really fun to watch him with an eye towards that. And yeah, you know, it's, I don't, I don't know if I'd call it an engagement issue defensively, but you can see he doesn't want to be there. He wants to be going forward with the puck and scoring goals. Right. I would describe it, his game as a little bit raw. He's played in the BCHL, is, which yeah. that's not, not necessarily to say, all junior A is poor. It's just, I think it took him, like he had trouble internationally kind of keeping up with his peers. But then finally at the U18, he was finally comfortable with, with his draft peers. And he was really able to show what he can do with his talent. Right. It, it, in the BCHL, he has so much time and space that he can literally do anything that he wants. And it doesn't matter when you get into that international scene. And at the next level, he's going to have to adjust to that He's going to have to make plays quicker and read plays with less time, but I don't think he'll have any trouble getting there. Yeah, for those of us who are maybe less familiar with Junior A-Leagues, like, is 102 points a lot, a lot, or just, like, a good total? Like, where does that rank? I'm, I mean, he's the youngest kid ever to lead the league in scoring, so it's it's a lot. <laughs> he did win the yeah. league, he won the league MVP, but... I mean that that's about the production that Jost had. So it's 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 what you need to be a top prospect, but we're not talking about like uh, you know, a monumental kind of I mean, you just say that that he had that record, but it, it's good, but it's not something where it would it sort of like didn't make him a top 10 pick. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I I think it's sort of like what we said about Brandon Sajan this year. It's sort of like you know, he should have gotten a hundred points and he did. And right. That's, that's what you. And but I feel like with new... uh, <laughs> did we? I think so. He'll be back. Do you want me to go ahead? Or... I sure do. Okay. Um, 
I feel like they didn't really get a whole lot less with New Hook than they would have got with a forward they would have taken it for. I think he's pretty close in talent level. Like I said, I think the rawness is maybe what pushed him down a touch, but the upside is pretty similar to what yeah. they would have gotten earlier. I mean, clearly he was the abs guy there anyway, because they took him over Peyton Krebs, which you can make the argument about the Krebs injury, but before the injury, Krebs was easily considered in that second tier of talent. So the Avs believe that Newhook is better than he is. And I don't think we talked a ton about Newhook. I mean, we certainly were aware of him on the list, but I think a lot of us felt like he was going to go between 10 and 15. We'd heard Vancouver was interested in him, and we just kind of figured he probably wasn't making it to 16. Yeah, it seemed like Montreal was going to take him if he made it that far, but... Then Caulfield was on the board, too. Right, so other than a really shocking faller, this was kind of like the best-case scenario for the Avs to get to get a forward. Newhook was certainly better than going into maybe the Tomasino and others tier, which we all like Tomasino, but I think Newhook's like a top-ten type of talent. Yeah, I mean, I think if, if he comes out of Boston College with a, a better understanding of how to play a 200-foot game, then, uh, you know, he will be able to play a top-six role. Yeah, I, I think he projects great as a 2C behind McKinnon. It's it's a really nice fit. It's definitely something that the Avs are in need of. Um, and it's, it's also kind of... You know, there's kind of an archetype that that Colorado have have pulled out of the first round, of several of the last few years now. That they find a player who's um, blown them away from junior A and is on the way to the NCAA. Um, and with with Jost, we're we've had kind of you know some some up and down so far. Maybe he was rushed to the NHL, maybe not. Whatever wherever you fall on that. Um, but with with Kale McCarr, we've had strong early results. Um, so obviously, this kind of an early developmental model that they either that either they believe in more than other teams do, or that they've just got a you know a pretty good eye on right now. The, yeah, the NCAA track Canadians. I I swear the Abs have to have at least fifty percent share of those players <laughs> in the NHL because they just love that type. It's and to clarify it a little bit. I'm not going to say that Newhook is Makar because that would be totally unfair, but he's more in Makar's vein than he is in Jost. You're, you're betting on a player with a high skill ceiling there. Maybe not as much drive and work ethic as we see in a Tyson Jost type, but more talent. Yeah. I think that's um, fair. But he was the captain at, at his age, so... Right, I'm not saying he doesn't have those things, just Jost had those things to, like, Jost was more polished. He, yeah. he was... He had more of, yeah, he wasn't as raw as Newhook, but Newhook, I'll agree with you, Newhook has the uh, the skill upside that Makar did. And I think he's going to need at least two years at school, at least. Uh, after, probably after the Joe's thing, they'll be a little gun-shy about guys after one year, but he's just raw, and he might not even blow people away in the in his first year at BC. I think he's going to need to adjust. But I mean, I think he'll be okay. Year, oh, he should be fine. But I'm, I'm saying, give them a chance if it's a little slower than you hope. 
Right. Because I think I, in that second year, he's going to do really well. I mean, unless he wins the Hobie, he, the second year is fine for him. <laughs> I <don't... laughs> yeah, I mean, Jerry York, the, the coach of BC, is the, the winningest coach of all time in the NCAA. And he's kind of old school. And I think that's going to work in his favor. It might, it might stifle his skill a little bit. Um, it's tough to say just because BC has been kind of on a downward path for a little while, but they've got a killer incoming freshman class. Yeah. So, so what I'm hoping is, is just their, the skill bumps are going to play all the kids. (laughs) Yeah. Especially all the average kids. You'll hear BC again. Yep. (laughs) Right. They're going to have Boldy and Knight and, you know, I think they had five guys that were drafted this, uh, over the weekend coming in as freshmen. So uh, they've got a real strong class. <clears throat> so I, I, I think that that bodes well for having a good young team. And, and even though Jerry York is sort of old school, he, I mean, he has a track record of uh, both winning NCAA titles and, and having success in hockey East as, as well as developing Hobie Baker winners and guys for the, N- the NHL. So I, I think, I think it's going to work out fine. It sounds like um, a, a pick that definitely, you know, is up the Avs alley as far as as uh, you know the the player's path is concerned. As far as you know what his skill set could possibly be, it's something they definitely are in need of in the system. Um, so with with Newhook and Byram, let's let's put a letter grade on the first round for twenty nineteen. I'm gonna go like Riker and say A plus 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 plus. <laughs> I mean, on, I, I don't know how it could have really gone better. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe take I mean, one they, they plus had the off, ch- but... Yeah, <laughs> they, they had the choice between Krebs and Newhook at 16, so it's like they couldn't lose there, really, because they're, they're, they're both great choices, and, you know, I like what they did there. And I, I just, I don't think you could have made a better choice at four than Byram. I, I just, they satisfied their needs well, and they took the best player both times. Yeah, they an A it has to be. You can add as many pluses as you want, but there's there's no way that that combination they made is anything but an A. Absolutely. It, my own personal biases would have liked Krebs over Newhook, but a week before the draft if you told me we're getting Byram Newhook, I'd have said done, book it, seal it every single time. Yeah. Yeah, I would have said what did we have to give up for it? <laughs> <laughs> Where did Tyson Berry end up? so let's move on to kind of the next draft tier as in the second round Colorado used pick 47 on another future BC boy defender Drew Hellison he's a product of the USHL and the National U18 team what can you tell us about Drew Hellison he's he went where he was supposed to go as far as rankings are concerned in the draft but he's a conservative pick it, you're not doing the same thing you did with Newhook here where you're betting on skill. You're picking a guy who's safe with a lower ceiling. And I'm glad they picked a D. I just don't know if I prefer this one. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I, I'm i not a huge fan of this archetype. I am I am holding out a little bit of hope that by going to BC and not being behind sort of the, the other really offensively inclined defensemen they have at the MVP that that maybe we'll see a little bit more um 
you know, offensive instincts developed. Just because when he was a U17 the year before this one, he did get a little more power play time and, and did show a, a little bit more scoring touch. So, I mean, you know, that, that might be there. And again, that, you know, that that's not to say I'm thinking he's going to score a lot in the NHL if he ever gets there. It's just you want to see Buck's skill. He at least is a good skater and has good hockey sense. So this isn't this is not like a bum. This isn't a Josh Anderson pick or anything like that. It's just, he's just more. <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, <laughs> more Jeff. of a um, like a defensive type, but. Like Girl said, there's hope that he has a little bit more to give on that end. And I like, I, I wanted them to take someone different in the second. I didn't want them to just take a CHLer that we're never going to see. Maybe by going the NCAA route, it changes their approach to a defenseman taken in the second round. Maybe he stays in school, say, three years and avoids much of the AHL, which could give him a better chance. To become uh, like, say, a bottom pairing guy that they actually use. If he's solid, I don't see him going to school for more than two years. But yeah, I don't either. Yeah, <laughs> the Avs need the AHL, AHL defensemen. They need them. Yeah. So that's I, it's I, I think especially of... with his kind of game that you you can't learn everything you need to be a pro in college. Um, it's like you, you you do need a little bit of that battle hardening. You can really only get. But he like really shouldn't be like pro. a system defenseman, though. Like, no, he plays yeah, I mean, you're just like pillar out of him. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so he could be a good bottom pairing guy that complements what they've built with Byron, McCarr, Gerard, and whoever's left at that point, and then could be like a modern, what I call the puck mover. Like the puck moving defenseman used to be the Barry types. Now it's more of a Sam type, someone that can get the puck out of the defensive zone first and foremost. And maybe they're moving towards bottom pairing guys that are like that. I I don't want to discount his ability to read plays because he does a good job of that offensively as well. And I, I do wonder, he's going to have more opportunity to play higher in the lineup at BC. So with more opportunity, maybe that flourishes a little bit. I don't think he'll ever be a high impact offensive player, but... No. If he's good enough to, to fall into line and, and get those pucks up and plays moving, then that's enough. Yeah, I mean, everyone everyone that I've seen that, that's had positive things to say about him and, and has actually watched him, they rave about his ability to break out and, and make good passes out of the zone, and good stretch passes. And there, there have even been some people that have tracked some games for the the NTDP uh, as far as zone exits and whatnot, and he fared pretty well there along. With right, those it, like if you guys, if his track to the NHL is a Nemeth that I can actually make passes, then that's a nice piece for the Avs. Right, and that's what he looks like. I mean, to me, probably you know he if if you can get a Nemeth that doesn't chip the puck off the glass every time and can make a stretch pass, then. You know, I have no problem with that. That's a great four-five defender, right? Like it's it, the scary part is just that he's already kind of like pigeonholed into a role, which maybe you didn't want to see with forty-seventh overall. But there's, I mean, there's I, I don't know how you could avoid here. that. Like the experience yeah. he got at the NTDP, I, I think you really can't beat that. But yeah, that 
that did pigeonhole him into that role. So that's, you know, that, that's, that's sort of a, a little bit of good, a little bit of bad. So <clears throat> it's, it's still a conservative pick, but it is a little bit different of an approach. So that is something that I wanted and they did provide here. So. And like Rito said, we, you know, we really need to stock up on some defensemen that are, that are unsigned, you know, yeah, this it's, is a realistic have, defenseman that that is going to be on our list. It's not Lieberman. Right. The Evs have Byram, who's we all think at the end of this year is going to jump straight to the NHL. So that barely even counts as part of your prospect pool. Right. And then they have Zaravlyov, who may come over from Russia someday, and two guys that are scratches half the time at Notre Dame. So. <laughs> There's not a lot of depth there. <laughs> right. No, and I've I've seen a lot of people say like, "Oh, we really needed a forward there." And I'm like, "No." Nah. I mean, if if you look at what the Avs have, you know, they have a close, lot of forwards signed on ELC. Right. So you've got that covered pretty well, and it's just every time you look at what's in the pipeline defensively, it's like, "All right, the NHL's good." And you know the AHL the, has one or two things that are fine. Yeah. <laughs> then you have Nick, and then whatever Timmy is, and that's it. You know, and it's like I'd like to think Danny Z is going to be good one day, but you, you know, you, you never know what his plans are. And that's it. So it's th- this was a a big organizational. You know, I think getting Byram and Hellison have really made it a strength of the organization. Yeah, getting Byram makes it passable that from here on they didn't take another defenseman. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's very true. So should we move on to round three? Yes. It's time to have the conversation. <laughs> that's a capital yeah. V, capital conversation. Because the ads use Ottawa's third to go off the board and take a forward from St. Andrews, a college prep school. Matthew Steinberg, a name which is spelled in at least four different ways and probably pronounced in a couple of others too. He had 31 goals and 35 assists this season and another line on elite prospects that I don't understand under the CISAA league? What is that? It says he had nine points in eight games. Canadian high school. Yeah, there's so there's Canadian high school, and then there's like the Canadian prep high school does their own little tournament league thing. Ah, and it's it's not just Canadian because obviously yeah, the there's American was against Shattuck there. Yeah. yeah, they have Culver in there too, I think. So. Right. So he has like his main high school league, and then he has his wealthy high school league. Correct. <laughs> yeah. <No. laughs> They're both the same. This school, would be but... more like a Champions League as well as a regular league. Okay. Yeah. And then in three goals with UASHL Sioux City, he managed one assist. Well done there. He'll and be... I just want to say, be... and before we, we stop talking minutes. about St. Andrew, before we stop talking about St. Andrews, uh, our, our boy Alex Newhook also attended St. Andrews. Before oh, well, yeah, we'll, we'll get to the connections. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be one of my points. So Steinberg will be at Cornell this year, which makes him Earl's personal favorite pick of the draft, and I'll let him explain why that is. <laughs> because I friggin' hate Cornell. <laughs> that was <laughs> that's like Red Sox and Yankees with Colgate and Cornell. So, what one of my least favorite schools of all time. <clears throat> but good luck, buddy. 
Good luck, um, buddy. Sums it up, doesn't it? Well, <laughs> yeah. The reason why we have issue with this pick is not because they went off the board or chose somebody well, that we weren't familiar with. <laughs> it's the upside here is very, very questionable. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not just the low level of competition he played in. It's the skill level. The skating needs help. It's like if everything goes right for him, he might be like a bottom six AHLer. Right. I I think we're all working on a small sample size with this guy, but I did do a shift by shift of him, which you can check out on the Burgundy Rainbow YouTube. How you don't have to watch the whole you? thing. It took me a long, long time. I, I First of all, when I started looking for him, I didn't expect to even find any footage. I didn't think it existed. <laughs> and then I just happened to pull up a little bit, and this was of his USHL games, and the quality was unacceptable. You, <laughs> you, you wouldn't even be able to tell who he was on the ice. So you just couldn't use that. I had no idea what to take of that. And then I just got extremely lucky and found some of his high school play footage, and some of it was passable enough. <laughs> so, I, after searching through a couple of those games, I managed to find one. And I was starting to get a feel for the type of player he was at that point. And so I got the shift-by-shift shift out there, and I recommend people watch a little bit of it. I don't recommend you watch the whole thing, because if you've watched five minutes of it, you've seen everything he's capable of. And he that's the problem. After five minutes. <laughs> uh, he still falls down a few more times. Yeah, he sure does. I, I, I don't understand why they took him in the third round. I don't think it's all bad. I think there are good pieces to his game. But like TV said, I really have to stretch to see NHL upside in this kid. And it's at 63. Like, that's still a real pick. That's still a pick that has value. Like it's the first pick of the third round. The kid they took at 78, if they just took him at 63, it would have been a better pick. Right. And yeah. so you start digging and you see his father was a Nordiques draft pick and played with Joe Sackick in 1988. And then you see he went to New Hook's prep school. And then he's a Nova Scotian, which I'm pretty sure we have 50% share of the Nova Scotians that have been drafted at 25 years and under at this point. So, um, yeah, I mean, he, he, from the interviews, you could tell he's definitely, he definitely knows Mac and, and Bowers and even new hook. Yeah. He said he so, was good buddies with new hook. Right. So, you know, so I, 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 I mean, I don't think that makes a big difference, but it just shows that, you know, this isn't just like some guy that's out of nowhere. I mean, he's a known thing. <clears throat> I did a bunch of digging on this guy just because I, you know, I really did want to see what the Avs were thinking. I mean, you know, it really did look like kind of a mistake and that maybe he's taken, you know, a hundred, 150 picks too, too early. <laughs> um, but apparently he, you know, he went to mini camps with the Penguins and with the Blackhawks, um, I think in between, either right before the combine or right after. So oh, you mean I like mean, oh, their own little combines? If right, if players aren't invited to the big combine, then they're allowed to go to the little combines. Right. So maybe so, that the Avs felt like they had to jump 
jump on this. I, I well, think they, at least they it shows did. it's you know other teams were thinking about this guy. So. Well, I mean, Bob had Josh Anderson at seventy one on the Bob list. So I mean, <laughs> just because we other teams, <laughs> yeah, because other teams, uh, you know, are interested in, in making a mistake, does it make it better? And it's <laughs> it's tough because you know all the kid did was show up and have his dream come true by getting called by an NHL team. Like, it's not his fault. And, and it's it's hard because he's going to have to live with kind of this label or these expectations. And if he just gone in, like, the fifth or sixth round, we would have said that it's kind of puzzling, but whatever. But as a piece of the Duchesne trade, this is the last, quote-unquote, extra pick they have. Might be the last extra pick they have in general for a, quite a long time. And it's it's like the Avs fall in love with this this story idea. This they found a gem. Like they think that they've they've got it ahead of everyone else. And this guy's a legacy pick too. And it's just they just fall in love with this I stuff. Just, and they lose the whole point of what they're trying to do. I just don't understand how they watched this guy and it came away with the idea that he's a gem. And he's not a bad player. He scored a ton of points in his high school league, but yeah, nothing about his game screams that he has NHL pace. I just don't see it. Right. I mean, I, I honestly, at this point, I don't see him playing pros at all. Um, you know, he's going to an Ivy League school. Even if he washes out at Cornell, you know, they, they, they don't have athletic scholarships in the Ivy League. They're all academic scholarships, quote unquote. So, so yeah, he's a smart kid at least. And- yeah. Maybe he can play there for four years and turn into a really good defensive player or something, and maybe that's something they could use. Do we want to have the conversation about how we got to this pick? Oh, who got taken right before? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because it, it it really, really seems like the Avs wanted Nikita Alexandrov who went 62nd and had no backup plan and they panicked and AJ has said that they were all over the phones during this pick and they were trying to get out of the pick and they couldn't. I mean mean, if you're out of ideas in the 6th round and you really don't know who to take and you can't move the pick and you just pick someone because you know who the kid is Okay, but at 63, if you have no idea who else to pick, you're not doing your job. Right. I mean, they're, and it's not like there weren't obvious choices, you know, besides Bukaj. I mean, there was, you know, there, there were plenty of players that, that people were just shouting at their television sets to take that. Yeah, the third round is really good. So yeah. it's right. just, it's the really unfortunate. Pulled up Bob's list, take them the first player <laughs> they saw on it, and it would have done better than this, I think. Right. I mean, it, it makes you think that, like, someone hit page scroll instead of just hit regular scroll or something like that. And, you know, or, or just. <laughs> I think you know. whoever has pull at the table, <clears throat> someone who's been employed since Quebec, uh, <laughs> when they didn't know who to take, said, I'm taking my boy. Get me the computer. <laughs> Yeah, I, Who could that I'm, possibly be? <laughs> he might live in the Motor City. <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean, it just, I, 
I don't know if we'll ever get the real story on this. And and right. for his sake, I, I I hope we don't just because Me too. You know. Yeah, it's, it's nothing. Now that I've investigated him, he actually seems like a really nice kid. He and, does. You know, it, I almost want to root for him and, and stuff like we that. We haven't even so, talked about it as shoulder surgeries and Yeah, he has I, I mean he had osteomyelitis. <laughs> if you if you know what osteomyelitis is, it's I mean it's usually from a heinous staph infection. I mean it almost always leads to amputation if it yeah, goes that's... too far. Um, so no, I agree. If he if he shows up and he proves everybody wrong, awesome. Good for him. Great. Right. Of course we want the kid to succeed. But <laughs> yeah. if there Wait, was someone us, pounding yeah. the table to take this kid in the third round, they should be fired. Straight up. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that, that Rudo just mentioned with the Avs seeming a little bit um, just taken aback by who they had on the table at that point. I mean, I, I was going to save this toward the end, but we can go ahead and jump into it now where Alan Heppel was quoted after the draft as saying, we got beat up on our board a bit today. So. Yeah. Maybe he's talking about this pick. Maybe he knows it's not a good pick. He should, if he has any sense. Which maybe points to my theory a little bit, is he wasn't thrilled with making this pick, so then you have to say why. I mean, it's not because they cannot function. I mean, they get plenty of time at that table. Ten minutes if they want to take it. To, yeah. to figure and out they didn't call game. their time out as far as i know like right they, they so did, they, they could looked, have gotten their shit together if they had to and i looked at who was taken and and he gave a quote about hellison i think to chambers since the abs haven't even put out his official commentary so chambers had a quote in his article about how he said how they were shocked hellison was available so you can okay you can figure he's happy with that one then if you think about the later Wilson round guys. Was a fine pick. I mean, you know, <laughs> I know, but they value love wise, that type. Well, it's just value I wise, know. it's fine. But you can tell he loved that pick. So in the yeah. later round, which we will get to, you'd be hard pressed to think that he was upset with those. Right. So you're just he, shooting in the dark in the later rounds anyway. So and they did a pretty good. And job. they shot well. We'll yeah. <laughs> So if, if we're going to use, you know, common sense deduction here, he's talking about this pick and he's unhappy with it, that, and then you have to say, why, why is a scouting director unhappy with a pick that he made at 63, which, like I said, I think points to my theory that there is influence at that table and it's an influence that he's not thrilled with. I mean, he does always seem like a very BPA kind of guy and that, you know, you know, it's it's pretty hard to argue that this would be a BPA situation. <laughs> yes. Yeah, every every write up I've seen kind of paints his ceiling as the Gabe Bork area area, which uh... that would be a fantastic outcome. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Sixty three overall is just like there's there's gonna be NFL even... players that that went after him even the kid himself couldn't believe that he went 63 yeah (laughs) he said he was just like hanging out and then he just heard his name and was like oh okay and he said he hadn't even talked to the abs yeah he said that yes (laughs) (laughs) okay and hey he he showed up so he must have some thought he was getting drafted well again i mean like pittsburgh and, and chicago were obviously in contact with him a bunch so so yeah okay sure like like we said if this was a late round guy we might still make fun of it but we'd say you know what you'd raise an eyebrow but <laughs> like we said it's a shot in the dark so whatever 
the they take their favorite, you know, whatever. You should, but you should have a concise and set list of players with talent and skill <laughs> beyond this guy's. I'm not saying he's not talented, but it's the ceiling just isn't that high. And at 63, there's more than this that you can get. For example, who the Avs took with their own third. <laughs> yeah. 78th overall, they pull in forward Alex Bocage from Ruin Naranda of the Q. This past season, he came one goal short of the 40-40. 39 goals and 40 assists in 68 games. Who is this? And I apologize for the pronunciation. I think you did fine. Oh, yeah, that was good. Yeah. I apologize regardless. <laughs> well, I guess I should go because, you know, I am the the husky lover. So this is amazing for me personally. You even have a 16 jersey to wear for. I'm getting there! <laughs> 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 so this is amazing for me personally because I, I truly do love Ruin Miranda. They just won the QMJHL Championship and the Memorial Cup. So he is a winner and a champion, and I'll be thrilled just to watch him and his career for the next few years. But getting over the personal bias, it's interesting to me there's so many parallels to Bodan. I mean, he was picked almost the exact same spot from the same team. Now, Bocage is not Bodan because he's a right wing, and his best attribute is his shot. So... If anything's going to get him to the NHL, it's his shot. But and, and all people the Hus- have said it, it might have been a, a top five or ten shot in the whole draft. And then you could see that with the the thirty nine goals there. And um, but all the Huskies have, play very similar. They had they have a very strong franchise identity and a culture and the way they all play. So the same things that you would have seen in Bodan's game with. Smart cerebral play, work ethic, two-way game, that would be all the same. But I'd also say the upside is kind of similar. So if you thought Bodan was trash, this is probably not your favorite pick. If you so like Cole's things, hate him. <laughs> <laughs> just let me know you out there. And those of you who appreciated the cerebral qualities of Bodan's game. And like I said, the work ethic, the two-way play, you, you're going to like Bocage. And like I said, if you're a fan of good NHL shots, you might like him anyway. Uh, he does need to work on skating. I don't think it's awful, but that mm. that is something he's going <laughs> to do. It's pretty bad. <laughs> to, make it, to make it in pro hockey, which good news, he has two years to work on it. Before they have to think about giving him a contract. And I had him in my draft plan for this exact pick. I think Bob had him at 75. So um, this was where he was supposed to go. So it, it was the Avs rebounded. Somebody took the wheel back and started drafting like scouts and made a good pick. And we were back on track. And, and I like this pick. Like, I think it still falls under the conservative umbrella. The Avs go super conservative. I, I think wouldn't I say would. that at all. Yeah, I, th- I think this is a good bet on skill. It's it's yeah. the opposite of the last two picks they made, and I, I like that quite a bit. I, I still think... I don't know. I think it's still under the conservative umbrella. I mean, sure, you're, you're betting on that the skating will work out in the shot, but like I said, 
his the way he plays, I think, is something very safe and. Yeah, I, I do think he's a very smart player. I think because of his skating, his defensive end suffers. When he can close the gap and, and keep up, he does have the body to work people. I think he could use that a little bit better, too. Yeah, and I, I think some that. of that will get better. But... I, I, I think... <clears throat> I, I think that it's not a conservative pick, and I like it. I, I think, and, and we'll get to this with the, the higher round picks, but... Um, if you if you listen to what Greg Cronin said after the season about they just didn't have any guys down in the AHL that could that they could finish or score or generate offense or whatever, <clears throat> um, I I think some of that really went into a couple of these decisions that they made on day two. In that that you know they really did need some guys that had that offensive tendency and that hopefully they could iron out the warts either beforehand or, or as they get into them. right i, I mean know. non-conservatives like pustola from finland like that's that's not being conservative going back to an organization that you're familiar with you're comfortable with you know people there you know what you're getting you know that he has a baseline of competent two-way work ethic I I, yeah all right i'll I... I'll, I'll, I'll give you that it's not risky in that they know what they're getting and they they know sort of what his development's going to be for the next years. But but if they think you know, he's going to end up... I think betting up... That, that, that his shot is going to become attached to a player that's going to be able to play at the NHL is, is the risk here. If they really think his fate is going to be different than Bodan's, I'd love to hear it. Well, for starter, he's a wing that can score, so that's a good difference. <laughs> yeah. um, I... I do think there's two factors going into this. One that Earl mentioned. Don't get too deep into it, but who has the best shot on the Eagles right now? Maybe uh, Cout? Cout? Yeah. And after that, it falls off real quick, right? So they need shooting wingers, sniping wingers. Well, I mean, they're right. going to have Henry. Right, they have Henry, who's, I think, probably the second best shot. And then after that, it's a lot of, gee, I hope Logan O'Connor can do the shorthanded thing again. <laughs> but... My point is there, they need not only shooting wingers, but Bocage is a righty. And they have almost no righties in this organization. It, it's not just I that. Just, like, they, they have been so right-shot right bereft at the minor league level for years. You know, not just wings, but defensemen as well. It's just, it, it's just something that, um, if you notice, they took a lot of right-handed people in this draft. Um, so... I, I don't think they meant to do that, but I, I do think that they sort of ended up that way and were like, hey, you know, this works. We really need right-handed sh shots that are good at scoring. <clears throat> but hey, I'm happy. I get to watch the Huskies. And he's a good yeah. player. I have I have been watching him. I'm very familiar with his game. I watched all the Huskies games at the Memorial Cup. So and just if you're going to take a CHLer, this is this is great. And just as, as an aside to the Huskies, um, <laughs> the Avs also invited Samuel Regis, um to their development camp. And he's a, a defenseman that was fairly critical in their run to the championship. So that's yeah, nice he's a small well. guy, but he he played on the first pair with Dobson. So. Yeah. And he's a young guy. He's not older. For those of not us with a little bit less French, that's Sam Regis. Yeah. <laughs> 
he's uh he's not that small. He's 190 pounds, it says. So. So we'll be interested to see him. And yeah. Bocage wears the same jersey number that Bodan did. So you're going to so. get a new nameplate or? No, no, no. <laughs> Just get a new jersey. <laughs> it's still relevant. All right. So that brings us to the end of the, of the third. Um, a, a lot less of uh, just being in love with the Avs picks in these two rounds with, you know, what, one we like, one we, we think kind of okay, and, and one that gets a big old raspberry. So what's how do we grade that? I'm going to give it a solid B minus just because I, I, I like what they were thinking with Bokaj. Um, I probably like Hellison more than most people do, even though it's not an archetype I enjoy. I, I, you know, I have faith that he's probably a little more than everyone gives him credit for. And I, I don't like Steinberg. I think C minus is as generous as it gets. I really, I don't see an argument for better than C minus. I'd give it a C plus. I I agree uh, with give it an eighty. I, that's why I said it'd be mine. Yeah, I'm more like about a seventy-seven. Seventies <laughs> uh, generous. I don't think so. I I think the the first third is an absolute miss. But I like Hellison. There are defensemen I would have rather gone with, but he's solid. You're not going into that and and being disappointed with it. You're happy to have that defenseman in your organization. Bocage is the exact type of player I wanted them to pick in the third. You can say what you want about how they struggle to develop those guys, but on draft day, those are the guys you should be looking for. Yeah. Two out of three ain't bad, and when you look at the first that you hit a home run on, you're saying four out of five picks in the top hundred. You did pretty good. Yeah, I mean, a lot of analytics people are saying that the Bocage is, you know, that's that's a, a, a stout chance to take. I'm yeah, because they can see the point total. Well, I mean, I guess they even don't the biscuit in the pan, basket, what are you doing? They don't even fully pan Steinberg because he scored points in his league. I mean, I, I might be able to skate better than some of the kids in that league. But. <laughs> Ellison's <laughs> the one that the analytics people don't like because he didn't have points. Yeah. I don't know. I think. What do you think? Oh, just, I'll just leave it at that. C minus. No, I mean, I think that's, <laughs> I, I think that's a, that's a, a completely defensible viewpoint, Jackie. You know, would it be a C minus if Bocage went at 63 and Steinberg, Steinberg went at 78? It would at least be an improvement. Yeah, but you're, you're still ending up with what you what you had. It Bocage would have been a little early, sixty three. I would have been fine with it, but that would have been a touch early for him. All right, so Colorado had no fourth this year because they traded it for Earl's hero, Colin Wilson. So that brings us. But it was a nice break. <laughs> it was a nice break. <laughs> that brings us to the fifth round where the Avs go back to the WHL and grab forward Sasha Mutala from Tri-City with pick 140. He had 41 points in 65 games this season and was ranked 69th overall by future considerations. If you just said nice out loud to your speakers or headphones, congratulations on being entirely too online. What do we know about Sasha Mutala? This is... You're going to see a... 
a pattern here with all of these last three picks, really, that the Avs made, that they went out and found guys that had a lot more hype early in the year, and then they fell off the cliff. And, and I like that. I think they made good choices to take chances on some of these guys that they can actually be what people thought they could have been at one point. Yeah. Uh, with Mutala specifically, the big question is how consistent is his offense going to be? And I think there's a good bit more there. I just don't know if he can get there. He did score 20 goals this year, so that's not nothing, but it's, at times he would just completely disappear on the offensive end. I like the gamble here. He Mutala was thought of as maybe a first-round early second round kind of guy going into the year. He was invited to the Lincoln tournament. He even was at the top prospects game, which that's typically for first and second round picks. So the, I think the talent and the skill level is pretty high here. He had a tough year. Both of his parents were very ill. I think his mother had cancer and his father had a stroke. So you could understandably say he was distracted. He wasn't playing at his best. I think with those issues behind him, I believe both of them are doing better. So I, th this could be a good bet on a kid that's going to have a breakout year next year because the talent is there and you can kind of understand the circumstance. So I believe in his upside a little bit more. I think he's a little bit more than just like a third, third liner heart and soul kind of guy. So I find this pick interesting and it's something that I wanted them to do was kind of go back and look at the CHL fallers. And it's good that they started in the fifth round with this. So, and yeah, just to expand on that a little bit, he is absolutely a heart and soul guy as a baseline. He works really hard. He's never shying away from physicality. I like an NHL comparable for him to me is Matt Calvert. His defense might not be the greatest all the time, but he just skates around like a maniac and, and makes things work. And he has way better <coughs> hands than Calvert. So he loses that going. Right. I, I do think he has better hands than Calvert, but, but you see him, you see his offense disappear kind of in the same way Calvert's does at times. Yeah. Rudo, I went back and watched your shift by shift and you, you obviously had him, you know, fairly high as a, a prospect early in the year. Cause it was from, I think it was from last summer even. Um, and it was funny because I, I guess it was an away game, so the announcers weren't talking about him at all. I thought that was funny because it's like he touched the puck and they wouldn't be talking about him at all, and it, it, that happened a, a lot. Um, I didn't, you know, not a lot stood out to me, but it just, you know, he was he was grindy and consistent. I, I thought there was some skill there. Um. I you know I I think you do see the upside there and it, and if he was dealing with personal issues then you know nobody knows how that's going to affect someone. Um, I, I think it's a good bet to make because there, there's definitely there's definitely something there that that could blossom. Right. Again, these are the guys you want to take in a fifth round type scenario. You yeah. have that solid baseline depth player, and and how much more do you have there? Maybe you're not sure, but it's something. It's nice right. when someone already has skill and you're not hoping that they find it. You're hoping you're just hoping they put it together, that they're able to use what they have in a, in a more consistent manner in a in a way that applies to the game. I yeah, think I mean the pedigree too with the Linka and 
you know, at least he's on the radar for Team Canada and, and things like that. I mean, I, I, I think that is important. <clears throat> um, you know, it just, it, I, I was looking at all the draft picks and I just saw, I, I, you know, how you can have the, the filter on elite prospects. And I set it to world junior 18 championships and over half of the guys that were picked over the, in this draft I... were in, you know, it, it's, it's important that you get some of that outside of your club team experience, I think. And, and yeah. he's got that. It's, I don't want to twist the knife, but I'm going to anyway, in that he's a similar archetype of a player to what Steinberg is. He just does everything better than he does. In <laughs> <laughs> so, a higher level. Right, so if you're looking for, at minimum, organizational depth, these are the type of guys you should be targeting. And I looked I through get... the fifth round, and I, I feel like this was one of the better fifth-round picks in general. All right, so not knowing much about the WHL going forward, you know, what, what can you tell me about his team situation next year? All I know is I think they're a low-end playoff team, so I, I haven't got that far into looking in the, what Tri-City's up to. They're probably, yeah. at, at, at worst, they're probably average. They're not terrible, so... That's kind of the, sure competitive. the definition of the whole U.S. division of the WHL is they're always <laughs> like, all right, <laughs> they're never yeah. great. So maybe less to say about some of these later picks, um, but sounds like it, you know, it's at least a decent one there in, at, at fifth, in the fifth round. Um, they have stay in the WHL for round six. As they uh, use pick 171 on center, Luca Berzon of the Brandon Wheat Kings. He's a 40-goal scorer this year, 78 points in 68 games. What have you got for me? Hopefully some pronunciation tips. Berzan, I believe. Berzan. Is how you say Luca Berzan, yeah. Um, He's an interesting one. He's an overage. He's one year overage, so... This is not the Sajin situation where he's looking to play in the AHL next year. So he's just one year over age. And he was a very well-known guy that did not get drafted last year. A lot of people thought he should have. And then he went out and had a good season this year with the 40 goals, as you mentioned. And had been named as one of the, the sleeper overage players to look out for. So... This was kind of a nice surprise to me. They went here, especially in the middle of the sixth round. I think is a really good value pick for him. He's kind of a Ty Lewis type, which is a little unfair because he's from Brandon as well. But No, I, I think that's totally fair. I think also, that's exactly what they wanted to do. They went to Klippenstein and said, go get us another <laughs> Ty Lewis. Yeah. Because they love the first one so much. Right. And but... then after losing Kotkov last offseason, they said, okay, I guess we should waste a pick on this. Not waste, but use a pick on this guy. So we have him locked up. And he could even, if he didn't go drafted this year, he could have been like a Brett Leeson situation next year. I find it interesting. He's actually invited to uh, Hockey Canada's Summer Showcase, which is for the WJCs, where... All of our wonderful high picks will be like Byram and Newhook and Burzan. So that's kind of interesting. Um, 
So there's some interesting upside here, I yeah. think. Again, you're seeing them target a goal scorer, right? Perzan had yeah. 40 goals and I think like 38 assists or something. Yeah. So he, they're looking for a type that they're lacking. It's no more, oh, we'll take a Travis Barron, even though he's a pass-first type guy and doesn't have a great shot. They know they need shots, and, and this is what they're trying to find. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, you know, I think there's definitely some similarities to Bukaj there. Um, you know, I, he's the guy I'm probably least familiar with. Um, but just, you know, knowing that he's going to be at the, the summer showcase camp and all that, um, you know, I, I really do think that's a, you know, that that's a great thing to attract a team to someone like this. Um, th this is a guy that, that I'm probably going to get to know a lot better through development camp than anything else. And then that's yeah. what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, it's, he's, it, I, I would put people, him into a category of more skill oriented. I don't think he's quite as intelligent. He's definitely not as physical as some of these guys drafted before him are. Yeah. Which those players tend to show well in development camp. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also Mutala and Berzon were the only guys that weren't at the draft. So that that's something, <clears throat> you know, it, it's tough for me to gauge a guy, at least on a, you know, sort of, trying trying to get to know him um w without having you know the the interviews and the abs acting ac asking interesting questions like if if Bowen Byram's a good singer and whatnot but <laughs> um <laughs> you know I, I I can't get a feel for either either the last two we've talked about until we get those kind of you know personality things cleared up Sure, I like hearing the interviews too, and it is always fun with the the guys that weren't at the draft then show up at Denver and see them all together. So I'm fairly excited about this. Like I said, the middle of the six to get a guy that seems to have an upward trajectory, and yeah. and even just someone you know. <laughs> At There's no Ben point. Storm in the sixth round, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think this was a good use of their pick. Because, like yeah. I said, maybe they were seeing a Brett Leeson situation kind of unfolding. And just take the guy. It's a good place yeah. to do it. Well, I, I think the parallels with Kovalenko was also taken almost in this, this exact pick last year. In fact, he was the, yeah. the same exact pick. <clears throat> um you know that that's kind of cool that we're getting. You know, he he's a year older, of course, but um, you know, the the parallels there are kind of cool. Mm, I think well, he I, also I don't think there's to... many parallels to Kobe. But... <laughs> no, no I mean they're like they're going to be playing. You know, they have the shot of it playing internationally. And no, sure. Like that. It, and I think he went to Senators development camp too last year. So yeah. Well, we can wash that off him. <laughs> And finally, the Avs round out their draft class with 202 overall, which is their own seventh, and they go back to where they started, the Vancouver Giants for goaltender Trent Miner. He put up a 924 save percentage in 32 games with the Giants this year and found himself the sixth-rated North American goaltender by Central Scouting. Uh, scouts that went this deep had him listed much higher than 202, 97th in McKean's, for example. Did we learn anything about Trent Miner this year, like maybe while watching one Bowen Byram? 
Yeah. <laughs> that's Basically, it. that's how you got all your viewings of him. Yeah, it's that. I went back and watched some Byram shift by shifts just to watch minor. So, <clears throat> um, I was conversing with uh, Jeremy, the goalie giant, about minor, and, and he's over the moon about him. Um, he really likes him a lot, and you know, he, he's a far better goalie evaluator than than any of us. So, um, if he's happy about it, I am. But um, I, I think the the thing that I really like to see is that he was behind Ethan Tendek. Um, if that's that yeah, might not be. They basically name. split the season. Right. Um, but but the fact that he was 17 earning starts ahead of a guy that was drafted by the Coyotes last year. I mean, I I think that says a lot about his abilities. Um, he's not very big, but. You know the the things that Jeremy was telling me he likes him about about him is that he's very smart, um, reads the play very well. Um, <clears throat> I, I think that that sort of falls into more of the the groovy and um, Frank model that we're seeing rather than some of the larger goalies, um, you know, like Spencer Martin that that we've seen the Avs take over the years. Yeah, yeah, I mean, certainly maybe he's maybe he's not real big compared to like the the Renes and the Ben Bishops of the world, but he is six one. Like he's not, we're not talking about Malcolm Subban here. Yeah, um, but he's you know he's pretty quick and he's you know he he's got the he's got the technical upside and you know I I think sort of with the the reduction in size of the goalie equipment. Um, I don't think the premium is going to be on size as much anymore as being able to read the play quickly and track the puck. And that's, you know, I, that, that sounds like those are his strengths. So, um, even though he was taken in the seventh round, he might be one of the, the biggest value picks we get out of this. I am curious to see, I think he only played six games in the playoffs since they went all the way. And he struggled quite a bit in his playoff yeah. games. So that's yeah. that's a little uh, concern. But he was young, like you said. They had an older goaltender to lean on. Um, I really hadn't paid much attention to North American goaltenders because the Avs haven't. So yeah. I'm not going to say Watson. I have a strong opinion <laughs> about him, but it does seem like decent value. You're talking about the middle of the seventh round. and it, It's interesting to me why... They took a CHL goaltender. They're going to have to sign him in two years when he's 20 years old. So I wonder if they gave any thought it's, to the, the idea that they wanted, they want to develop a young goaltender again, or was this just a take somebody pick or keep Byram happy pick? I have no idea, but I mean, I think it makes sense organizationally, right? Yeah. It, I, I think we all assume Kavacha isn't happening. Uh-huh. So they kind of have Werner in the dead space until Annan is ready, and he can step in and fill that in two years. Right. Yeah, I mean, um, we, we made a lot of general assumptions just kind of as, you know, Avs fans and people who watch the Avs, just that, that um... It, his name is not... Spen his name is not Spencer. Is it? Knight? Yes. Is it? Yeah, yeah they both are. Yeah, Correct. Both. So now I've, I've got Spencer Martin, Spencer Knight, and London Knights all in my head, <laughs> all linked together, and <laughs> the, the, the bees are just buzzing right now with, with that one. Yeah. Um, 
But that, that's why a lot of people were connecting the abs to Spencer Knight at 16, and why Earl, for example, was hoping someone would take him first, which someone did. Um, yes. Yep. Thank you, Florida Panthers. <laughs> we'll get to watch him plenty anyway, though, because he's going to BC, so... Right. Yeah. Again, that, that class is stacked, man. That's so, a big good... So yeah, definitely an organizational need, and, and you always talk about, you do take best player available, you... Where do you start looking for need? If you're looking for need in the seventh round, I think that's okay. Oh, sure. There's no yeah. problem with the pick. I just, I find, I, I would love to know how they arrived at the thought of doing this, but no, you, there's no complaints. And everything that we've learned about him in the short 24 plus hours since he's been drafted seems fine. It seems like Earl said he's got talent, technical ability. He's not too small. He seems smart. His interview was good. It's nice to stack prospects together. We know the Avs love to do it, but I mean, it also makes sense. I the just Avs do have a much better track record with CHL goalies too. It's not great, but Calvin Pickard and Spencer Martin were both out of the CHL, and I think their leading non-CHL goalie in the past decade is Ida Collio with two games played. So now Pickard and Martin were second and third round picks. I understand their and, higher talent, but nonetheless, yeah. they still seem to get more out of the CHL kids. Well, and again, going back to last year, this is the exact same pick that they took Smackers, Shamil Schmackoff. Or are they so just I, th I think thinking of him as a camp goalie for two years? I just, I, st <laughs> I'm still not sure that they a have a plan or b have any desire to I'm develop. Sure they don't have a plan, but <laughs> I, I don't know how you could. I, I the reason a I say this goaltender. is a good value pick is because you know goalies are definitely what's behind door number one. It, it, it you don't know. It, it could, you know, he could turn out to be something valuable, or he might not, but. I think in the seventh round, at least having the the possibility. So, um, if goalies are behind door number one, is Steinberg a zonk? It's <laughs> like up in the rafters with a funny mask on. I don't know. Um, <laughs> this way, they don't have to worry about San Jose signing their camp goalie. It's theirs for two years. Yeah. Um, I I mean, right, whatever. If they want to take a goalie in the seventh round for the rest of eternity, I'm fine with it. They can sort it out later. <laughs> sure, yeah. if they're going to YOLO, perfectly fine place to YOLO. So, like I said earlier, there, there's, there's not just a whole lot that we're going to know to say about bottom about the bottom round players because, you know, they, they don't get as much attention and you're, you're busy watching, you know, who you're going to pick up in the top 100 picks. Um, but as, as we look at just those those bottom three, it sounds like we have a lot of positive takeaways. Um, just kind of generally, are, but everyone sounds pretty happy with the direction the Avs have gone here. So I'm like, getting ready to hear some good grades. Sure, I'd say a B plus, A minus even. I don't think there's much you can complain about. I, I look at the fifth and sixth round lists i didn't really see a ton that i wanted there anyway so i i'm not even sure i would have made a, a different pick so i think b plus a minus something like that yeah i agree with that um 
you know, I, I, I don't know what else they could have done. I don't I don't follow this this end of the draft that well, so I, I don't know what the options are. But, you know, it, it, as far as what it looks like the thinking was on these picks, I, I like it. I think um, sort of the... <clears throat> it's weird. It's, it's sort of both conservative and risky at the same time. Like, there, there's definitely upside with all three guys. Um, but it's not just blatant you know, Shamil Shmakov, like maybe you get like the best goalie in the world in 10 years or something like that. You know, there's, there's some concrete upside to these guys. So, and it's I, something I wanted them to do. I think CHL fallers are market inefficiency at this point and other teams that have figured it out, have really cleaned up on players that had like third and fourth round grades that for some reason were sitting there in the sixth round. Yeah. So the Avs were the team that got on the ball with that. And so I think yeah. that was smart thinking. Right. I'd, I'd give it a B-plus as well. Honestly, I don't think the Avs could do any better in the 5th, 6th, and 7th round. I think they did as good, as good as they could. I just can't give it an A because you can make the best pick in all three of those rounds and end up with zero NHLers anyway. So. Yeah. So the maximum score is an 89.4. Right, and then if Mutala ends up becoming an NHLer, you can retroactively make it an A or something. Yeah, we'll go back in time and do that. So with all Sweet. that uh, taken together, it seems like um, most draft prognosticators have, you know, had a lot of good to say about Colorado's haul this weekend, uh, mostly in the high B, low A area. How do y'all feel about that assessment? Well, a lot of the especially Pronman and I believe Wheeler leans that way too, is they place high, high, high emphasis on the first round or in particular the highest pick. So the A grade has a lot to do with Byram and probably Newhook and the rest they really don't care about. But I, um, Which for I me, can't really agree. I, I can't really argue with. Yeah. Sure, I right. <laughs> Yes, at the end of the day, they got the picks right they had to get right. Yeah. So if they get nothing out of the rest of the picks, it's not any different. That's what they're used to. I mean, yeah, I, I think it deserves an A-. minus. The nitpicking is well-deserved over their first third. It's It's just not a good pick. But the rest of it are good to fine at worst and great to incredible at best, so... For me, I'd say a B plus, and like I said, the you, you have to weigh Byram and Newhook very heavily. And the late round was nice, but that's not really going to swing it. It's just they had an opportunity to make this possibly a draft rivaling 2009 if they had made some really great Picked choices. Alexandrov and traded up one spot <laughs> in the second and third round. It, it's for the missed opportunity, and I think that's going to be important. They even talked about how their five picks in the top 80 were important, and going forward, they're just not going to have those picks anymore. They they already gave away their third. Who knows what else they're going to give away by this time next year, and I don't see them having a lot of fat draft classes moving forward, and I, th I think they really dropped the ball, and they, they missed an opportunity. It's still a good draft. There's still a lot to be happy about, but I am disappointed that this couldn't have been really special and they didn't go for it. I'm going to give it an A. 
because I think your your two picks that are going to be NHL impact players they nailed, and that's really what you want to do. And um, you know, it, there's some potential beyond that, um, but I, I I really think that. It, it was key to get what they did out of number four, and number six, because that's ultimately going to have the biggest impact on the franchise. Um, you know, it's it's not like they control who's available, but they they made the right choices. Those two, they were fairly obvious. So uh, Joe also gets a little bit of credit, Joe Sakic, um, for not saying anything extremely unfortunate. <laughs> He also what? said the picks <laughs> quick. Thank God. You, 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 know, you don't have him doing things like calling a timeout past the fifth round, which got Nashville roundly booed by the room. Maybe uh, they should have used their timeout. <laughs> but then it would have been earlier yep. than that, so maybe they wouldn't have been quite so booed. Uh, you don't you have know, him saying comfortable things up there like in his that. hometown. <laughs> you don't have him saying things like Fenton said about how you know you got some small players and they're good, but when you see a big player, everyone's really smiling. Well, the absence yeah, of Sackick and Heppel after the first round, so who knows what they would have said. At least they didn't draft draft Newhook Alex either. <laughs> <laughs> I I want to take bets of how long it will take before we hear the first Byron Bowen reference. <laughs> he does have two last names. <laughs> I won't lie. I had to switch him around on the first shift by shift I did of him. <laughs> Someone's gonna do it. And he didn't say anything extra crazy about his draft critics like Holland did in reference to Broberg and say the people who don't watch the games or have a lot to say about this draft. Which is oof. Yeah. But Paul Fenton's comments really stole the show, I think. <laughs> <laughs> those, are, those are extra brutal. Um, He's going to live on. Memes write themselves. When yep. Minnesota is a bunch of 6'6 six, six goons, you'll know. <laughs> so I don't know that we have necessarily a, necessarily a lot of time to dive into this one, but uh, shout out to Yell, who's listening live because he apparently has nothing better to do tonight. Um, I'm really curious to see what you all think we would have done if we took Turcotte at 4, considering the run on D leading up to 16. Do you think we panic and, and pick on one of those D-men? No. no. They were comfortable taking like forward, forward, I think. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't have I, liked I mean, it myself, but... I think there's like a better chance they would have taken like Spencer Knight there if he had been available rather than one of the defensemen, but I... I, I just... I, I who find is it left? You'd, you'd have Soder Soderstrom gone. You'd have York gone. It's like who? Yeah. You're yodeling you would... on Hynola or something at that point. <laughs> yeah. I, like I, I mean, I thought Hi, I, I, I wouldn't have minded Hynola just if we had drafted him, but it just at 16, you're kind of like nah. Um, and it, it sounds like they were super interested in Hellison at 47, regardless. So they were probably doing that to pick up a D. Yeah. So and yeah, I, I mean, I mean again, have... it just—I mean, the first fit, you know, the the top fifty worked out right in their favor as far as what they wanted to do, and and whether you like the Hellison pick or not, um, you know, it's like it. I, I think what they've done for the organization works out really well that way, and from seven to eight on, they 
they filled a lot of holes as well. Something they probably would have taken new hook if he was there, regardless. Which is how you should work out. You're if you have two picks in the first round, you really shouldn't. As soon as I saw that smile, I was like, "This kid is just so avalanche." <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> like he fits into the abs culture perfectly. Yep. <laughs> I know. I, I'm really looking forward to what you all are going to have to say, um, and as well as everyone else that's going to be there, as far as Dev Camp Wednesday through, whenever they get done, I guess Saturday. Because <clears throat> um, and I, Dev I Camp's this... always good. I, it's nice to have a live viewing close to yeah. after they get drafted, which is why I don't like to write draft analysis because it's like I'm going to see them in two days. So why? Make assumptions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll have a little bit to say about Dev Camp um, on, on our, our show next Monday, um, where we talk about some of the things we're about to talk about now, because the draft is over, but the work is never done. Colorado have some RFAs to consider. Um, what, what's the deadline for QO? Somebody knew off the top of their head a minute ago. Tuesday? 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 So the Avs have RFAs yeah. this summer. In Sven Andergetto, Alex Kerfoot, JT Comford, Ryan Graves, and Nikita Zadorov, who all have arbitration rights, as well as Vlad Kamenev and Miko Rantanen. Now, Miko is always going to get his QO. We're not expecting to really get a, a contract signed till much later in the summer. Um, so I think we can leave him out of this conversation, but what about the rest? Everybody but Ghetto should get a QO. The Avs tend to take their sweet time with all of them, to be honest, and just sort it out later once they're QO'd. That's how I feel, yeah. too. I think the AHLers are probably the more interesting news that we will get, like Geertsen and Boykov and Spencer Martin, I think, might be an interesting one to see which way that one goes. Yeah, that, that but, list is Julian Nantel, AJ Greer, Dominic Toninato, Sheldon Dries, Mason Gertzen, Anton Lindholm, Sergey Boykoff, and Spencer Martin. And uh, Nantel, Greer, and Boykoff are the only ones who do not have arb rights. So the Avs could potentially have 10 arbitration cases if they qualify them all and they all file, but they probably will have several. So it should be, even after free agency ends, it should be an interesting July, at least if you if contracts you interest you. I don't think they'll have more than like two or three, and only one of those has a chance of actually getting all the way there. Oh, I think they'll, I mean, I, I think, I, I think the, whoever they qualify, and that's, that's tough to really call for some of these guys, but I mean, I think they'll all file, and that's just to get the, you know, make sure a contract gets done, but I, I'd I don't have any worries about any of these guys, really. Um, I think Andrew Ghetto is the, the interesting one. <clears throat> um, I, I think there's enough to like with Sven that, you know, if 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 he wanted to go play for another NHL team, I think Sakic would be fine with not qualifying him. And if he wanted to go to Europe and there was some sort of understanding that if he did come back that they'd be interested in having him, that they might qualify him and keep his rights while he's over there. Um, that'd be the only way I'd really see them qualifying him because I, I, you know, I, I like what he brings, but I just don't think he's a great fit right now. So, I think uh, the one point five million makes that a no. <laughs> uh, you know, 
may and it may not. I, I, I do. I mean, again, I think there are probably a lot of teams that'd be interested in, in having Andrew Ghetto on it. As far as you know, what he brings as far as shooting metrics, I think any team that's analytically bent would probably look at <clears throat> you know the way he generates shots and be interested. So, especially ones that are thin at forward. I right. think he'll be in the KHL next year. Yeah, but I, I, I almost think it's it's more likely he gets qualified than not, um, just because of that. Just because I, I think they wouldn't mind hanging on to his rights, and he does have some value. <clears throat> I, I think y'all are right in, in that we don't see any more of, of Sven Andrigetto. Um and, and I mean a general y'all here obviously Earl thinks they're going to try to hang on to his rights but I guess he's probably played his last with the Avs uh, the, the yeah. others is a big old question mark we'll see what happens uh, with most of them and, and we'll talk more about Miko after um, we get some of these big name free agencies out of the way um because that's when that conversation is really going to fire up into uh, into it's just you know that's when it's really going to kick off. Um, so there's there's been a lot of chatter about which um, UFAs the Avalanche could or should have interest in. Um, it's it's pretty clear where the NHL team's needs are, um, being you know forwards. So. Let's spend just kind of a few minutes running down some of the impending UFA forwards, and we will kind of briefly chat about whether we think those are players to pick up or not. Um, and, and no, we're not going to spend time talking about Corey Perry. Fuck Corey Perry. Um, <laughs> so I, I want to start with, with one of the older players on this list. That's Joe Pavelski. Yeah. And oh no. Oh, sad. <laughs> I wouldn't mind him on the correct deal. You can pay him a ton of money if you want, but you should really be trying to get two years, and three would be risky, and there's no way in hell I'd ever do more than three. There's I just can't justify signing anyone over 30 for any reason. For me, it depends on the context. Are you getting anyone else? Is this it? Will he take a short contract? Does he even want to leave San Jose? I think it's kind of an unrealistic one. Would I hate it? No. But there's a lot of buts with that. So it certainly it shouldn't that. be plan A. I'll say that. Definitely not that's plan fair. A. Uh, I, I'm ends, in, kind of in between with, with Earl and Rudo here. I, ex- I expect someone to give Joe Pavelski three years, and I'm just really hoping it's not the avalanche. If they want to give him two, then we can deal with it. If he does end up signing with the avalanche, I, I mean... I'll root for the guy. I'll be a big Joe Pavelski fan and all that, but it just the thought of signing someone of his age, it does not appeal to me at all. Well, I don't want old either, but I don't want worse. So (laughs) it's like, how about, how about nothing? (laughs) That's never going to happen. If you get Joe on a two year deal, nothing is worse for sure. Yeah. But I just, I, you know, I, I see, you know, I, I just I, I don't I don't know how we've come from wanting to get rid of everybody that's old and bad to going. We really need Stasny. We really need Pavelski. You know, it, it's just justifying acquiring uh, the problem, older because, players because the frat line seems... cannot be the second line. Like they're at an impasse, right? Something has to go. Right. Yeah. There's, the, a, there's a second quality. There are there's other ways to combat bad. that. And Pavelski <laughs> right. and Stasny aren't bad. Brad Stewart was old and bad. 
I you know, could even it, in the first need, year like, of his contracts, even Boshaman wasn't fully bad. They need like four forwards. And no, the solution is not just to bring Colin Wilson back. That's not a solution. That is not acceptable. That's a punt. So yeah. they need to do better and they need to figure out something. I I think they need to sign at least two. They could probably figure the other two out with internal or shuffle around something they have or whatever. But they're going to have to sign basically two off the free agent list. You could get away with one, depending on how things shake out. But it depends on the one. Yes, it um, sure does. If if you want to talk about an unrealistic UFA, though, I mean, right above Joe Pavelski and expiring contracts in terms of cap pit is Matt Duchesne, and that shut up, it's yeah, not going to happen. Nope, nope. Maybe I don't think at the Matt end of wants his to career. play for the Avalanche. I think he would come back at the end of his career. I think I don't think Joe like wants him back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's Joe Sackick no longer in the NHL or with a different NHL team. Um, yeah. Let's talk instead then about I guess probably the the most like desired UFA from an Avalanche perspective, Avalanche fan perspective, in Artemy Artemy Panarin. Yep. I don't think the abs should hold anything back here. Back the dump truck onto his front lawn and, and do whatever it takes to get him here. If he doesn't come, he doesn't come, but you should be trying hard. I do too. Yeah. If you get him, then don't sign anyone else. Then Correct. just deal with the kids you have. <laughs> suck it up. Play yeah. guys like Kamenev, Greer, and Kaut because you freaking got Panarin and just move on with life. Because if you, if you bring in Panarin... Then you can run the three-headed monster monster first line if you want, because then you you've got Panarin on to you know have a dominant second line, or you can you know you can have an even more dominant second line and a slightly less dominant first line. You can use whatever combination of of Jost and Kerfoot and and Confer you want between lines two and three, and your fourth line is who cares. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Panarin is the guy that they need. Um, I know he's going to be otherworldly expensive, and a lot of people you see, well, you can't pay him $12 million. I mean, you know, if, it, if that's what it takes, it's it's what it takes. They're going to pay $12 million on three mediocre players put together, so just spend the $12 million on one good, the rest with the LCs, and you are set. Ta-da! Yeah. You're paying for points, and... Well, I, I am not in the, the school of thinking that, that points are their biggest thing. I, I think um, dependable scoring is something that, that they could probably use more than anything else. I <clears throat> I still have questions about the defense until it really settles out, but I, I think someone like Panarin would make the defensive flaws kind of go away. So. Just... Just to add someone of that talent but level. I, but I also do think difference. it's fairly unrealistic to get him. I don't know about unrealistic. I I certainly am not counting on it. I, if they're serious about doing something, they need to be doing this. Nah, screw you guys. It's happening. <laughs> <laughs> if it happens, then we will give Rudo all the credit. Right. Well, we'll we'll say that Rudo personally made it happen because uh, obviously there's <laughs> there's a lot of interest between Panarin and the Florida Panthers, um, but how that in, ends up, we I mean, will obviously have to wait till to see until July one. I mean, there P- Panarin's list of types of teams he would like to play for has kind of included you know coastal cities, but 
when you look at it, there, there's not really anybody else in the league with the Avalanche's situation in terms of both, you know, what they have open in the cap to give you and what the kind of trajectory of the team is. So we, we may be yeah, able I mean, to that, that's, uh, bring somebody home here. Yeah. It's sort of a parallel with the draft because we were looking, you know, you know where the Avs was, were picking at both four and really with 16 too. It's like the teams around them like were des- desperately in need of building their team with the talent they were getting. And the Avs were basically adding on to something that's already pretty good. <clears throat> and that's the same thing that they're going to be selling to Panarin is that, you know, it's like th- this isn't a bottom feeder team and we have 30 million in cap space because it's got rid of all right. our terrible players. It's like, we're, you know, we're adding you to a team that was within one stupid offside call, really, <laughs> making the Western Conference Finals. <laughs> I, I think the Avs have as good a chance as anyone. It's just that chance is, like, worse than a coin flip, so. Right. You know, I, It just I, depends what he wants. If he wants Big City or the beach, that's not Denver, so. Yeah. Uh. So uh, the next name that I would like to spend a few minutes on is a different shark. It's Gustav Nyquist. He had 60 points last season. Um, he's much younger than the other shark on this list. Um, this is maybe not that much younger. I, five years. <laughs> yeah, I... he still is the old digit. I yeah. I think he's fine. I like Nyquist a lot. He wouldn't be my plan A, and that's Panarin. He probably wouldn't even be my plan B. But if you miss out on the guys who I think are truly the top talent, Nikos would be a guy I would chase. For me, it depends on the contract, I think. Adding him would be fine. It's just a lot of my opinion is based on what else did they do? What did they give him? What's kind of the big picture? But just him by himself would be fine. I don't really have a super strong opinion about that. I don't think he's good enough to justify it, and I don't think he's young enough to really get me interested. So, and oh no. See, so if he wouldn't be Rudo's plan A or plan B, would your plan B happen to be Anders Lee? It sure would be. <laughs> 51 points last year with the New York Islanders, who were supposed to be goddamn terrible and surprised everybody. Yeah, and it was a down year for him. And people say, oh, well, you can only score next to Tavares. Well, guess what? We can put him next to McKinnon, and it'll do just fine. <laughs> uh, and when he, you put him next to a star like that, guess what? He gives you 30-plus goals every year. So that's exactly what the Avs need. What kind of contract do you think is realistic that you'd like to see? $8 million by 7 maybe a touch you, more. You think the Avs have the stones to offer that i think they should <laughs> i like lee better than anyone besides panarin but the, uh, there are some drawbacks i think uh, i think a lot of what he brings offensively we've already got with landis gog um it's it's tougher to see how he would fit in just because you know if you're comparing him to what you would get with Panarin, it's it's obviously not even close. But um, yeah, it's about know, four I, million I, dollars less, <laughs> right? And it's just obviously, <laughs> obviously, like playing in a in a trot style offense will sort of stifle 
um, your production. I think Jared Bednar is somewhat similar, not to the same degree. So I, I wouldn't expect like a huge bump, um, but some. Um, you know, I, I'd be okay with it. I just, I, I don't think I'd love it that much. And, and my it understanding seems like... on this one is that we're still not even convinced Anders Lee will make it to July 1st. I don't think yeah. that either. too. The Isles have a ton of cap space, so. Yeah, I think he's doing a Tavares, really, just sort of seeing what it's like outside, but he's going to come back. That's not a Tavares. Yeah, that'd Tavares. be a Stamkos. That's like sorry. a Stamkos. <laughs> Stamkos, sorry. <laughs> the Islanders fans um, out there are screaming at you right now. I know. There's a, a Freudian slip that, that AJ's going to hate. <laughs> <laughs> that he won't hear. Um, I feel like he's probably the uh, the higher end of what they can get. The contract probably will be stupid if they get him, but you kind of got to do something here. Yeah, you you always have to kind of take one on the nose when it comes to UFA. Like, there's going to be some player, or, or or when you when you bring in a high end UFA, there's there's something about the contract that you end up not liking by the end. That's, that's the nature of UFA. That's why you'd rather not be in a position where you have to go that way to fill out your roster. Um, but that, that's where we kind of find ourselves because the Avs are a little bit limited past line one. As we keep looking down this list, there's not a lot of other names that you would want to see in your top six. You, you have names like Ryan Dezingle. Um, nope. There's Matt Zuccarello. Nope. There's Michael Furland. Who Furland is interesting um, because you, you, you wouldn't want Furland to be your only signing, I think. Um, but he definitely brings an element that the Avs forward core could, could use. <coughs> but he's kind of like how Jackie's answer for everyone but Panarin has been, yeah, but what else did you do? I think that's where I come in on Furland. I think he's likely Super to be, yeah. um, like one big piece of a conglomeration of meh. Which just kind of makes me a little bit hesitant about right. adding Furlan. And we we've played that game for far too many years. As Furlan to me is settling. It just seems like an expensive way to do something that you don't even really need to do. I mean, I don't hate the Zuccarello idea. Oh, he's so old though. You'd he's be slow. getting guys that you're saying they're making us better, but are they really making us that much better? Right. Uh, just how did they get to this that. point where we're so desperate to get a forward? That's what makes me mad. It's just like, why are we even having this conversation where we're trying to talk ourselves into paying too much? I don't. I don't. Like I don't see, feel that way at all. I mean, that's like that's the thing. Maybe one more of, our, of the Avs firsts be in the offensive scoring conversation right now. Like maybe Tyson Joe should be stepping into it. Maybe Connor Bleakley should be contributing at this point. Oops. Oh, wow. I, th- I think couch should be a real option. Like not for the top ha- six though. Well, not right now. no, but I don't yeah, think exactly. he's this third liner that everyone painted him to be now. Like he is at the time in his, at his age, his experience level, his career, he should be an option. I mean, cool. If he comes in and, He's a straight-up second-liner? Great. Now we can run Panarin and Count on the line and teams just cry. Well, I'm not saying I'm not saying don't sign anybody to just play Count. But he should be part of this whole 
plan here. Like, I know we're at a point where they have to sign somebody. I just I, mean, say, I love the idea, I but think I, it's I, sad. I, I think until you see what until you see what Cout looks like with a full summer of conditioning, then it's It'll really tough to project perfect. anything. You just you have I, to give somebody an opportunity. You can't. You just can't win cups can't by do only sight drafting. I've seen, though. <laughs> you just can't. Nobody wins cups by only drafting. But yeah. our good team's sitting here saying that if we don't sign a second line in a week, that we're screwed. I don't think we're saying that either. But why? I think wait? a lot of people. What do the abs have screwed, to wait for? But that won't be able to take the next step if they don't sign a second line in a week. I mean, I think they're right. I don't think we become a contender without a Panarin or Lee-level player. And I think that's a problem. I'm not well, saying... Where are we going to get him from, then? you got to get him from somewhere. You can't yeah, draft we either have to wait. We either have to wait or you know, get one now. But if they don't, I mean, it's... it's. If they don't, it's not going to bother me. I just, I, I think they could, they could muddle through and be fine and, and be a lot better than last year anyway. Well, that will be a conversation for July 1st if the Avs aren't able to bring home any big names. Wait, can I can I just give my thought on this? I want Donskoy. I think that would be... If they just did Donskoy, if that was what they had to settle for, I don't think that would be the worst thing in the world. <clears throat> and what I know is, that... What is it about Donskoy that makes him different from other players in his area, including Ferland and Chason and... Uh... Well, beyond that, you get into Wayne Simmons territory, so I guess those two. <laughs> well, first of all, he's cheaper than most of those guys. Um, but he's actually, he's he's what the Avs probably thought uh, Calvert was, but he can actually, he can actually score, and he's decent defensively, two things that, that Matt Calvert struggles with. But we're talking so, about third liners here, like... The Lee and the Panarin conversation is different. That's that's a legitimate top six. Right, forward. but I just I don't that changes you know, your team. Now we're talking about third once liners. you get past those two, you're settling, and it just I I you know I think the value goes down below the level you're going to have to pay right. at that point. Even if you're settling, though, we can agree some of those guys make the Avs a better team. They might not make them that much better. Maybe you're overpaying some, but you balance that out by getting your ELC guys up onto your second line. So. Right, but it, I mean, if you're gonna if you're signing Gustav Nyquist to a six or seven year contract, then I I see that as a major major bump. Well, right, you shouldn't be signing third liners to six or seven year contracts. Right. You know, I, and I I would put Furland in there too. Um, I just I, I think anyone beyond Lee and Panarin, it's just you know you take your lumps and you say you know what we're gonna we're going to come back this year and, and we're just going to be better all on our, on our own. You know, if you find some value in free, take it. Um, don't overpay. Don't, don't be Philadelphia and give $7 billion to Kevin Hayes. Yeah, that happened. There's, a, there's mm -hmm. a, as we're having this conversation, it's worth noting some of the names that have come off the list, you know, in, including Kevin Hayes, um, Eric Carlson, some some names like that, Jordan Eberly. Thank goodness. Mm -hmm. That was one I was worried about. Yep. <laughs> Even Roman Polak signed early in June, which is interesting because he's that good. 
But hey, Carl Gunnarsson's gotten getting lots of calls. Hey, someone will offer Brassard a contract. Yep. <laughs> not us. <laughs> yeah, you gotta hope not. <laughs> um, so maybe that's one thing we can thank the rental for is that we weren't the dummies this July first signing him to like a three year deal. Yeah, I mean, if the if a third round pick is the price to pay to not sign Derek Broussard this summer, then then maybe that's maybe that that could be one of the best investments they've made in a long time. Well, we'll see who they get instead. It's still yeah. a stupidity tax, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> if it's Wayne Simmons, then we did not. If it's Wayne Simmons, then we refuse to accept that the signing happened, and just yeah. don't even acknowledge it. And I like Wayne Simmons. I, I mean, he's you know, I respect I, I everything that he's accomplished in his career, but I mean, he's just not a guy that you would ever want to sign. Right. Yeah, I liked him too, and I liked his game like three years ago. Right. <laughs> that body's kind of been through it at this point. <laughs> yeah. If they could find a twenty-five-year-old Wayne Simmons, that's great. There, you know, there's and, definitely and as as a the... car analogy to be made here, but I'm not smart enough about cars to make it. So, <laughs> imagine it in your own head, and it's really smart and clever. And the tough thing is that when when the Avs get worried about settling, they they talk about trading internally. You know, I think the JT Miller deal to um, Vancouver. That's curious. Yeah, like there's that's... still the Barry thing that they could I make mean, something work to get them afford. But you think if they could have, it would have happened by now. Famous last words, I know, but well, I yeah, and whoever reported it that Joe Sackick was talking to Jim Benning on the the draft floor and just threw his hands up in the air and walked away. I mean, what whatever they might have had going, it's it's probably not in the best of shape right now. Word on the street is they'll just replace Barry and go get Patrick Nemeth instead. So that'll work <laughs> out great for him, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I hate free agency. It's dumb. You hate every day, though. <laughs> On the day, <laughs> you're always a nervous wreck where it's the worst thing ever. And then no, afterward, the you're draft. like, oh, you hate trade deadline? You said the is worse than free agency. So The trade deadline is like leaving your wallet open in the middle of the street and coming back five hours later to see what's left. <laughs> That's what the trade deadline is like. <laughs> Oh, and then there's God. free agency, which is like leaving your tent for like five hours and you come back and it's full of rattlesnakes. No, free agency is like going to that really fancy steakhouse and you really don't want the bill to come. Oh, Ruth Chris? Yeah, or whatever. Or like if you go on a cruise, if anyone's been on a cruise and you use, you don't like spend money the whole time you're there, you just use your little card. And then the last night of the cruise, they slip your bill under the door or several pages of a bill under the door, and you finally find out how much your whole week costs. That's what free agents is like. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will oh, talk to y'all. you got to go carnival, all-inclusive. <laughs> we, we, will, we will talk to y'all again next Monday um, after the Avs have a nice dinner at Ruth's Chris. Um, we, we hope it's a nice one and, and not a budget one, because if it's a budget one, it doesn't actually fix any problems. But uh, that's true too. 
but we'll we'll definitely get back at y'all. We'll 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 have some updates from what we saw. Oh, I say we from what people who actually are local, unlike some of us, um, was, yeah, are, are actually able to to catch from Dev Camp. We'll definitely have some stories for you. Uh, uh, we'll talk about signings, whether they're as signings or not. We'll talk about what that means for the future of the team and what signings they still have left. So. Uh, looking forward to the show next week, and that'll probably be our last one until like you know September. Yeah, it. I'll have some streamables that I can get from Dev Camp, and then it's it's gonna be a lot of off season stuff. Yep. And you're gonna be at Fort Collins for the three on three, so people can go hang out with you as well. Yeah, I will be there. I'm not cool enough to live stream it because YouTube is lame and won't let me. So. <laughs> but I will be YouTube there for right now. I'll probably yeah. record the shootout after the game at least, so we have something. But yeah, at least I don't know. Get get a little footage, so we can get pictures of what's his face, fighty McFight face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it, it's those, those live hangouts are always fun, even even though I don't necessarily sit and record them anymore because that was way more pain than it was worth. But it's it's a fun time. We'll, we'll hang out and, and refresh news sites and social media and just kind of yell at each other about what new rumors we've just seen and how hilarious they would be if they happened and then one of them's that your own team you go oh it's not funny anymore it's so, not funny <laughs> look forward to seeing you all there thanks for spending quite a bit of time with us on the draft show this week and we'll see you right in the middle of free agency